There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes. Yes. I think for the first yes, my microphone wasn't close enough to my mouth, and I moved it. Jackson, was that right? Was that a better yes? Was the second yes better than the first yes, or was it non-discernible? Non-discernible, really. I mean, non-discernible. just, just professionalism right there. No, it's so exciting to, 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 to be this talented. Welcome to the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. It's questions from the audience, which is just really a name that's been grandfathered in, because that's not really what it is anymore. Uh, for February 22nd, 2021, from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, I'm Timothy Michael McKernan. Action Jackson is in the world headquarters. Jackson, what's the good word? What's the good word? The sun is out in St. Louis, Missouri today, so things are You're a lot buzzing. Better. How could you not be? I mean, compared to last week where it was, you know, I didn't know if I was going to make it home all right to do the snow, and now to see the sun and the roads clear, it's a, a sign of what's to come, hopefully. You're starting to feel a little buzz in the air about spring springing upon you. Mm. Yeah, I'm scheduled to play golf here in uh, less than two or three weeks. So Wow. Yeah, we'll see. Look at you. Boy, I hope it happens. I hope for your sake it happens as well, Action Jackson. It'll be good for everybody to be able to get out and enjoy some, uh, some sun. We welcome people here on this podcast. What it really is is just people texting in, emailing in, I guess not texting, emailing in. Questions, comments, opinions, and um, in in last week's QFTA, sometimes this has happened over the years since we started doing this, a topic then leads to like a family tree of topics. And I guess we stumbled into one that, that carried over not just to this week with more questions and thoughts and experiences from people, but we also discussed it on the radio show and then it gained traction there. And essentially, to sum it up, somebody emailed in asking about working remotely and if that is here to stay as opposed to people going back to the office in large numbers a high percentage anyway whenever the pandemic is deemed over whenever that time would be and my answer to that was that's over it's over now that again i want that these aren't absolutes but it's over in the sense of the percentage of population that used to go into an office in February of 2020 versus what it will look like in, you know, December of 2022. Uh, it's just going to be, it's, I, I think it's going to be, God, I don't know, at least a 20% difference and perhaps more, hence the term at least. I don't know, but that's, that's how substantial. That really, though, wasn't, was the fire starter for what has led to a bunch of emails this week and then the discussion on the radio show. What we then talked about was the possibility of it working in, in St. Louis's case in both ways. In some markets, it will work. It depends on what your perspective is. And by working, I mean people moving to your city because they can still have their jobs but work remotely. So if they don't want to live in New York City or they don't want to live in Chicago, and listen, some people still would want to live there, but it's the cost of living factor or L.A. or California, take your pick. And then also people moving uh, two places 
And what we wound up discussing was what is going to be the, the city we use as an example is the next Austin. And, and I, I chose Austin just because I recall when I was looking for my first television job 20-plus years ago now that Austin was market 60. And I remember thinking then that that's, that struck me as low. But really at that time, Austin was was not even half of what it's become now. And it was really just built around the University of Texas. And me being a sports anchor reporter, that was appealing to go cover the University of Texas. But it is certainly surge, and now I think it's market 37. To give context, St. Louis is market 21, New York's 1, LA's 2, Chicago's 3. So um, it's, it's a gauge of populations, but not necessarily cities, but metropolitan areas. So the premise is, what's the next Austin? And my bet would be, and it's, it's an all-in bet, it's an all-in bet, that over the next decade, a new Austin is going to emerge, perhaps not with the the intensity that you've seen with Austin, because Austin's success and population increase is not because of a pandemic, of course, um, but you are going to see something, I think, in warm weather areas. Now, some, well, I can think of one emailer saying that it wouldn't necessarily be warm weather. I think some people are counting North Carolina as warm weather. I don't count that as warm weather. I guess by definition, it's warmer than St. Louis. Uh, South Carolina and, and um Charleston and Hilton Head have been listed in some of the emails I've gotten. Again, they're warmer than St. Louis, but they're not, you know, Scottsdale, you know, South Florida warm, Southwest Florida warm. So that is a topic that's carried over. And the thing that excites me the most, Action Jackson, Mm -hmm. about today's QFTA is for months, I mean, well before you have joined the program, to rave reviews, mind you, to rave reviews. And even though despite the fact that I am saying that I am a fan of your work, you are still overcoming that. <laughs> it's like a Michelle Bachman endorsement. You're overcoming <laughs> that endorsement, and and you are getting people on board with you as well. I got one just out of nowhere, just like on Saturday afternoon this week, just like, hey, I love the show, and I just want to let you know, I really like Jackson. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think people are uh, on board, and that's great to hear. They were on board with Gangster P. It's not a case of not being on board. You can be on board with shit. We've had, you know, some producers on the show who've had great personalities, and people just like them, and then when they leave, they miss them. Yeah. So uh, so we, we have we have that, and, and, and I've been saying, I think it goes back to the Gangster Pete era, because Pete and I would talk about this off-air, and then Pete would be like, dude, why do you care? Because you can't explain the situations, and I think that's why people get their panties in a bunch the question i've asked the audience why in the hell do you hate me now if it's if it's my politics which i'm not even sure what my politics are but your percept i think i'm perceived as being liberal um then okay that's fine but i think the hate is deeper than that because i think there are a lot of people who are either really don't like doug's politics or confused on what's going on there but they like him and I, so I don't think it's that simple. And surprisingly, uh, I've gotten uh, two this week for the first time. And when I got one, I was like, holy shit. And then I got another one. I'm like, look at this. It's actually coming in. So uh, we have that. And uh, and then in addition, a couple of uh, more wonderful emails, plus some in the uh, QFTA thread on the TMA fan page. Uh, so we've got a wonderful program here on questions from the audience as we recorded on Monday February 22nd, 
21. I want to thank our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, The Home Loan Expert, online at thehomeloanexpert.com, the studio sponsor of this podcast, Mark Anna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com, Jim Rogers, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com, and James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves, online at CarltonInsurance.net. Without these sponsors, we don't have a podcast. And I'm now getting more emails about people wanting to sponsor the podcast. So God bless America for that. Want to send in questions, comments, opinions? Why do you hate me? T McKernan at InsideSTL.com. What about hating me, but then also sponsoring the podcast because you know it gets listened to? Ooh. And so you can sacrifice the hatred but acknowledge that it's profitable you can do both t mckernan at insidestl.com ryan kelly is the home loan expert if you are looking to refinance if you are looking to get pre-approved go to the homeloanexpert.com knock it out right there i've actually done both of those things within the last 12 months last 10 months actually and it couldn't have been easier both times the homeloanexpert.com ryan's staff is incredible and to get pre-approved in this home market where the sellers have the advantage and you're competing with a bunch of buyers, that is truly like cash. You are going to win the battle for a home if you are pre-approved, thehomeloanexpert.com. And if you haven't refinanced, you're leaving money on the table. Lots of it. Lots of it. Uh, go to thehomeloanexpert.com and take care of that. And I had this, and I think it was intended to be a private personal exchange. Um, out of kind of out of nowhere on Friday night, as a matter of fact, and uh, it is it's such a I, I can't I don't think I can read it because it got into a little more detail. But the bottom line is this: it was a gentleman who has been interacting with Mark Hanna mm-hmm. of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, and he said, "I hope your wife and son realize how blessed they are to have a husband and a father who remains undefeated when it comes to being right." And I was like, what is, initially when I'm reading, I'm like, what is this? Was this meant for me? Is this sent to somebody else by mistake? Um, And this person goes on to say, and the reason why he texted that to me was because um, he's interacted with a number of people in in the financial services industry. And he's now started to interact with Mark. And he's just like, I've never seen anybody like him. Never seen anybody like him. Never interacted with anybody like him. He's, He's unreal because of the way he goes about it, and he goes into some specifics, but then I'd be going into some specifics that I probably shouldn't be reading. Um, but just the way that, see, I've never met anybody like him. Um, I told you this before. Anyway, the point is this. Uh, Mark and I have now spoken twice, today maybe for 20 minutes combined, not even twice, and he's gotten, let's see, Bottom line is this: you got you gotten testimonials about all the sponsors, but from one uh, person who puts integrity, professionalism, and genuine kindness above net seven-figure production, working from home, quarantine, uh, or something as petty as trying to be the big guy in the office to beat people over the head with it in this industry, which can be commonplace. Mark Hanna is someone. Uh, that I can't say enough positive things for, and I'd stake my name and reputation on them. Um, prof- here it is. Professionally, and I can see it personally with things he mentioned, you're putting your audience in great hands, 
and I could not be happier right now that I reached out to him. So there it is. I mean, it's a, it just, it's, it's a text from someone I know and, uh, and, and like quite a bit. So just like producer Joe, this person, you know, heard me talking about Mark, contacted him, and now is just like, yeah. It's, and it's such a coincidence because this, this isn't the way it always works out with advertising. It's not possible that, you know, I mean, as I've said before, Jackson, I mean, you know how it works now because you'll, you'll be like, hey, you need to record this spot. And sometimes I don't know the b- person who owns the business. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know the stockholders of take your pick of a number of bigger businesses. Yeah. So, uh, but in this case, when it comes to the podcast, I do know every single one of these people and either I know them and have done business with them or I know them and I've sent people to do business with them and they rave about it. And you know, that's not always going to be the way it's going to be as the podcast continues to grow, whatever the case, but that's not always the way it's going to be. But in this case, with Ryan Kelly, with Mark Hanna, with Seth Goldcamp, with Jamie Burkhardt, with Jim Rogers, James Carlton, I know them all. Clayton Patterson among us, I know them all. And I also know that if a listener says, hey, can you introduce me to any of those names, I can then either via text, DM, or email do that. And now the audience has somebody in that particular business. And they know I'm vouching for him. And I'd like to think the audience knows I'm not going to be awesome. So Mark Hanna, evergreenstl.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And uh, there is another happy, happy customer. All right, Jackson, I am going to go into the fan page first. Cool. Uh, first question is just a statement. Uh, you the best, Timothy Michael McKernan. Uh, so that's, uh, nice. that's, uh, that's the lovely sentiment. Uh, all right. Uh, can we get those retire 51 tees back, please? So I posted the, um, uh, I posted the pictures that I always post. I always post four pictures for the QFTA thread and I just go through my phone and find old pictures and, uh, the retire 51. Do you remember that Jackson? I was not a listener at the time. Do you even know who number 51? Well, I'm talking about retire 50. You were were alive for that. William McGee, my dad's favorite player. Yeah. Same here. There you go. So people have won it. But, God, look at that Inside STL logo. I mean, that is like within six months of the business starting, that T-shirt stand. Uh-huh. Um, and we had this campaign to retire Willie McGee's number, and we got thousands of signatures. Brian Burwell wrote a column about it. But I talked to the Cardinals about it, and they were just, you know, I talked to Mark Lamping, actually, and he goes, I appreciate what you're trying to do. He goes, but this has nothing to do with Willie McGee particular, in particular. We've just made it a policy to not retire numbers of players who didn't go into the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Got it. So as a way to pay homage to those players, they created the Cardinal Hall of Fame. But obviously people have worn, you know, numbers of players who are in the Cardinal Hall of Fame, but not in the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Now, I understand it. With McGee, I feel like it's kind of unofficially retired. No one has worn it since they gave it to Bud Smith at spring training mm-hmm. and all hell broke loose, and then he went from 51 to 52. I see they brought Daryl Kyle's number back into circulation. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, but nobody had worn it since he passed away in June of 2002. So um, McGee's number is kind of retired. I get it. If I'm not mistaken, the Yankees retired Don Mattingly's number, and he's not in the Hall of Fame, nor do I think he's going to wind up there. Willie McGee will not wind up in the Hall of Fame either. So, you know, the, 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 the pushback I would get would be, well, you know, we're the Cardinals and we're not the Rays, so we don't just retire people or sign players like Wade Boggs with the understanding that you go into the Hall of Fame as a Ray, even though you're, you know, thought of as a member of the Red Sox or Yankees, that we're the Cardinals, we're above that. And my pushback would be, well, the Yankees are 
even better than the Cardinals, and the Yankees retired Don Mattingly's number, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. So sometimes a player transcends that. I guess the Cardinals have kind of done it anyway, but if you've done it anyway and you're not going to give that number to somebody and yet the man hasn't played more than two decades, wouldn't it just be incredible Yeah. if Willie McGee and his family, for all he's meant and represented not only as a hell of a player but as a person and now as a coach with the organization, I just think it would be the greatest thing in the world. Be awesome. So, Jackson, you saw the thread. People want the Retire 51 movement brought back. The movement I'm more interested in is bringing back the Navy roadcaps. Oh, God bless you. Total total redirect on your part counselor yeah that's i mean i guess if the cardinals have the reasoning that they don't retire numbers that are in the hall of fame it's kind of a futile effort but bringing back the navy roadcaps now that's something we can mobilize and the thing is the cardinals when they made that switch and i think it was the first year they did it was either 2012 or 2013 and they said and they said okay we'll take a fan vote and then the fan vote was the navy caps it's just such a sharp-looking road uniform with the so Navy sweet. caps. Yeah. And the red caps are just like, oh, we're the Phillies, and we're the Reds, and yeah, we're the Angels, and we're the Rangers. Lame. And it's just like, God, it's just so blah for the whole life of me. I don't get it, but whatever. I, I'm with you on that uh, as well. Uh, let's see. Now, this one was asked, and I answered it just because I wanted to answer it. I know this is completely – I answered it on the page, I'm saying. I know this is completely theoretical because it was never happening at the time, but – what if the city of St. Louis had simply agreed to the Rams' submitted proposal for $850 million of, a dome, of dome improvements? The Rams clearly did not want this to happen, but would they have any recourse if they did it? Do you think the NFL would have still intervened and gotten involved the original top-tier clause? My guess is they would have found another way to wiggle out, but it's always something I've been curious about. And the answer to that question, he's talking about the arbitration, and the Rams submitted $850 million of dome improvements. Is it 850 or 750? It was either one of those two. But the, I thought it was 750. Oh, yeah, that, that, for some reason that number stood out to me. 750. The author wrote 850. Either way, the point is, what if St. Louis would have acquiesced and just done, okay, we're going to do it? Well, then 10 years later, it would have been able to go back to arbitration and uh, the Rams would have uh, been able to leave again if it weren't deemed top tier. So at that point, it becomes a $750 million lease. Um, rental agreement. Now, would Stan Kroenke, you know, still want to do it in 2023 or whenever it would have been completed? I who knows, 2025, and still move to LA? You could make the case that's possible. Would the league have filled the LA vacancy in that time and then taken that out of his hands? It's a good question in the sense that if you play it out. From my standpoint, anyway, which I think is unpopular in St. Louis, but the thing that I recall being told by Kevin Demoff in a conversation we had, uh, not on the radio, when I said to him, point blank, and he, I mean, listen, I, I, you know, I, I, I think there's something to this. Now, some people absolutely do not. I understand. I'm not chastising those who don't believe it at all. The question I asked him was, when Stan exercised his right of first refusal and bought the team, the remaining shares, from Shad Khan, uh, or ahead of Shad Khan, when Shad Khan was going to buy it, um, did he know he was moving the team to L.A.? And Demoff was adamant in saying that's not the case. What he said was, we knew we were either going to get an incredible stadium in St. Louis or we would have the option to leave. 
and not knowing that they would necessarily even go to Los Angeles. It was a one or the other. So in that sense, they were in a no-lose situation. But he did say, by the way, going to Los Angeles is not a no-lose situation. There's there's no guarantee that it will work in Los Angeles. And I go, you'll be the Rams <laughs> back in L.A. I yeah. mean, how does it lose? He goes, well, I mean, sometimes it's not a, a lock that, that a franchise gets um, support in Los Angeles. So, you know, we're not 100% sure of that. So... I personally believe that. Now, I know a lot of people don't believe that, but I do personally believe it. And um, and I guess what you could say to that is the Rams did put it on the table. St. Louis could have acquiesced, but the issue is it would have been a lease. Now, would they have then relocated in 10 years if L.A. is not available? London's still available. I don't know if there would be another market that would be attractive in the Western Hemisphere. Um, I don't know, but either way, that was, that was the pushback on that. It's like, okay, well, we can make all these improvements, but in 10 years, it might not be top tier and they can leave again. And so now we got to put more money in. So that is now I'm telling you, I do believe what Demoff said there. I don't say that a lot, but in that case, I do believe it because, and I'll go a little, I'll go a step further in his mind and in the, in the organization's mind, they wanted to turn St. Louis and that area into what Indianapolis did, and they wanted Sam Bradford to be the Peyton Manning that was for Indianapolis. Now, it sounds laughable here 11 years after drafting Sam Bradford, but I'm just telling you that's what the man said to me. Um, you know, I, I just did, I, you know, I mean, of course, it's, it's, it's Monday morning quarterbacking, but I was not real high on Bradford at the time. Um, I certainly wanted it to work because I knew that the Rams franchise was kind of tied to his fortunes. But uh, I, I didn't want to see him draft a quarterback, which is really saying something because I think that was during the Kyle Bowler era. So mm-hmm. you're, you're trotting out some really uh, you know subpar quarterbacks. But I just I just wasn't sold on him working in the NFL. You know I've been right on some things. I've been wrong on some things. On that one, I happen to be right. And that was you know that was you know whether that was the beginning of the end or when Kroenke just exercised his right of first refusal. Whatever people get mad that Cronk, well, how can you be mad about Cronky exercising the right of first refusal? If you have a right of first refusal in a deal, the businesses have to adhere to the right of first refusal, NFL or otherwise, and uh, that is certainly a substantial legal matter. If one has a right of first refusal and is not given his or her right of first refusal, so Cronky uh, just was following the letter of the law, just like the top tier element. We might not like. The fact that St. Louis's dome wasn't top tier, but he's following the letter of the law. Um, in that regard, the rest of the process one can call into question. So, would it have been wonderful if he'd not? And Shad Khan would have bought the majority, and the Rams are still here, and Shad Khan's the owner. Yes, but Cronky uh, was just using, you know, the deal that he had put together, and he had right of first refusal. Uh, next question: um, Who were? Your favorite and least favorite Cardinals, Blues, Rams players to interview since you started in the industry? Huh. Favorite Cardinal to interview? The governor, Steve Klein. Do you remember the governor, Steve Klein, actually, Jackson? I remember the stories you guys told of him, you know, getting naked in the clubhouse or what he tell Tony to go off himself or something. Yeah, he gave him the uh, finger. Yeah, he was the Cardinal player rep. Now, that's not why I loved him. I liked the guy, legitimately liked the guy. I texted with him here within the last few months, actually. Um, I believe he was a pitching coach in the Giants organization. He was 
an A-ball coach with the Giants in Augusta, Georgia. Now I think he's moved up. At least that's the last time I checked. Um, but um, he was a player rep when they were going to have a work stoppage. And I interviewed him. And I know where he was coming from. But the fact that he was the player rep is just like, how in the hell did the Cardinals have Steve Klein as the player rep? It's, you know, for those who know Klein, I know you don't, Jackson, but you'd just be like, here's the guy who we can pick one guy on the roster who cannot be player rep. You'd go, oh, Steve Klein. <laughs> so for Steve Klein to be the player rep speaks volumes to how many guys did not want the job that it got to him. <laughs> but I remember interviewing him. It was a one-on-one interview for Camo V Sports Sunday. And I said, just provide the player's perspective on this because you guys don't really have a lot of support when you're making as much money as you do. And he said, well, not everybody can throw a ball 90 miles an hour, but everybody can become a doctor or a lawyer. And it just didn't it didn't work. It was a line <laughs> that just didn't work. It doesn't sound good when I'm saying it here 18 years later. And, uh, and as you can imagine, it didn't play real well. <laughs> When we ran the interview, (laughs) that not everybody can throw a ball 90 miles an hour, but everybody can become a doctor or lawyer. And uh, and I think they kind of put the muzzle on the governor as far as his public comments going forward. Uh, He's just a super likable guy. Adam Wainwright, who I don't really have a, you know, I mean, I think, you know, we would know each other just from being around each other, but I don't have a rapport with him per se. Um, even though I believe it was two years ago today, he stopped and gave my son a high five and uh, I handed him a ball or something like that after a spring training game. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he's just, he's just a, a first-class guy. and he's yeah. a, When he wants to do an interview, I don't know if I can think of a Cardinal who's better than Wainwright in my, in my time. I mean, mm-hmm. this is 20 years. but um, So maybe there would be guys from the 80s or – 70s or 60s or something like that but just just thoughtful candid self-deprecating amusing but then also confident um just incredible and then you know i mean he's obviously made a hundred plus million dollars so he doesn't need to do it and he has a large family but uh, if he wanted to be a broadcaster i don't know how yeah, many would be he'd better be great he'd be incredible wouldn't he yeah he'd, he'd be, be incredible uh, there's a couple of guys in, from in st louis in my time who, are, who could be, like, world-class broadcasters. Well, who else would you go with, Action Jackson? Well, Edmonds, obviously, but he does that. Uh, Chris Lo- Chris Long could be... Yeah, that, that was one I spotted when he was playing. Chris Long yeah. definitely could be, like, a... Uh, Cam, obviously, kind of does that now. Um, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, there's uh, it's, it's cool, because I love when Edmonds does the broadcast. He's, like... It's like my dad watches Pac-12 basketball just in, just to listen to Bill Walton, yeah. and I was I listen to Cardinal games sometimes just to hear Edmonds and Danny Mac. I don't think Edmonds realizes how baseball savantish he is. Yeah, that's because the it thing. just comes to him, and you know, like like the few times I've, that that. We'll talk because I just I have always even now even he hasn't played in more than a decade. I, it's just kind of understood, and we'll you know we'll hang out, and it, I still don't even go there, even if he's like yeah you know the team's not very good or this team is really good, you know whatever I just don't like okay I know I don't want to get into it I just don't even like create the uh-huh. 
what would be a mirage of me wanting to get information because I just I don't I don't want to say I don't care, but our friendship is you know greater than you know me like going oh well what can I oh really now I can say this and break a story I just don't I don't care about breaking stories it's not there's no upside to it so uh, but his ability to see things. Uh-huh. Even though we're looking at the same thing, and what he can—it's like when I—I I, I think I've used the analogy before, with with business people, and they can see the play, the playing field being, you know, a business move, and we're all looking at the same thing, but they see it in a different way, and you're just like, oh, I just—I love that type of shit. And Edmonds yeah. is in that kind of like Edmonds Tony Romo. Uh, Romo and his ability to call plays. As far as uh, I feel like for hockey, there you could name like a hundred. Yeah, who would be best of the last 20 years there's got to be an obvious one who's played for the blues as far as now the question was favorite the the blues you don't have there's just not a bad there's just a a rarely a bad interview in the nhl period because it's the culture of hockey yeah i would love interviewing chase when he was in the mood to be interviewed, <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're sometimes talking about. he wouldn't be in the mood. Yeah. But when he was in the mood to be interviewed, incredible. Like the interview after the Blues won the Stanley Cup is up there for me on this podcast as one of my all-time favorites. Even though he's a guy who you know I've known forever, and he's been on the podcast a bunch and the radio show a bunch, but I always would think of him when the Blues would win the Cup, what it would mean to him, and it just it actually somehow lived up to it. That somehow he's not in Boston, he's not with the team, but he's standing on Highway 40. <laughs> in front of Bush Stadium, looking at the arch as the Blues win the Stanley Cup, it's just it's like a it's like a movie. Yeah, seriously, uh, it's perfect. So with the Blues, you know, I don't like like somebody who's playing right now. I could see I O'Reilly know. falling into that yeah, category. I could see that uh, former guys Pronger maybe. Uh, perhaps I don't I don't know. Like he 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 might be a good like talk show guy. Yeah. More so than broadcaster because he loves to sharpshoot. Doug Waite was really good, mm-hmm. um, kind of a sneaker play, uh, and obviously he's now coached in the NHL. But he was really good. Uh, but I mean, just across the board, I feel like I'm missing like obvious ones, and people are going to email me and be like, "How the fuck did you miss?" I mean, this? I know like, Biz played for the Blues for like not too long, but he's obviously right. done. That was a, lot. a brief. St- did he even play in in the league with the Blues? Like I think he signed, but I think he yeah. I waved. He I was know he, he was, a regular was a, season game. like the definition of cup of coffee. But yeah. he was in the alumni game when the All Star game was here. Yeah, him and Cam got in that fight. That was scrap, awesome. Big scrap. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know on the on the uh, the Blues and then on the Rams. I mean, while the Rams were here, Warner was just superhuman. I mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go to my grave talking about Kurt Warner, and at that moment. Nobody was bigger in the NFL than Kurt Warner and how he would answer every question, including from a guy who, even at that time, as young as I was, there'd be guys younger than me, and he would wait and answer every question and and just do so with this incredible grace. Yeah. It was just superhuman. Um, but there were a bunch of guys, from my standpoint anyway, on the Rams. I mean, when Torrey Holt wanted to talk, he was great. Yeah. Um, when uh, Aeneas Williams talked every time, it was, you know, like po- poetry. Tyoka Jackson was incredible. I know he wasn't a Hall of Famer, but he was incredible. When Falk wanted to talk, and that wasn't common, <laughs> it was probably in the 20% range. Yeah. 
the rest of it would be like, oh, God, you know, he wants to. He didn't get along with Rob Desir for some reason. I have no idea. Rob Desir was an anchor at KTVI, Fox 2. And anytime Rob would ask a question, Marshall would just dress him down. And I don't know <laughs> what the backstory was, but there had to be some reason for it. Uh, but su- a bit of an incredible, like an Edmonds like knowledge of the game. Um, man, I feel like I'm, Ernie Conwell was a go to. Nothing against Ernie, but obviously, you know, not. Adam Timmerman was awesome. Um, you know, there were some some really good ones on a, on a great team, and I feel like I'm leaving out. I hate the fact that I'm feeling like I'm, I'm leaving out some guys as well. But Warner is the one that just stands out to me. Uh, favorite and least favorite people to interview in general. I like the first interview for this podcast was Gary Pinkle, but when Pinkle would come by the radio show, it was always. I cringed every, I don't even know what it was. I thought it was Wednesdays he would be on. It was for a few years. And you just didn't know what kind of mood he was in. I think he was doing like a radio tour. He didn't want to do it. I can't believe that he did do it. And it was like a 10-minute interview. Any question, even if it was the most simple question in the world, could be swatted down, and it's awkward, and it's me and the cat and Doug. And so there's no real flow to it. It was more like a press conference. And you're just like, you just don't, you're walking on eggshells. That, that's when an interview isn't good, is when you're walking on eggshells. Yeah. And so that was, that was, and, but I mean, listen to the first interview in, in this podcast from October 17, and it was incredible because Pinkle was so good, but it was me and him in his house, and yeah. it's comfortable. So it's not, him, it's not a reflection of him. McGuire was brutal during the McGuire home run run. Yeah, my um, mom always used to say that. Said it was, was brutal. Really it tough. was really bad. It was really bad. I think it was probably worse than even the public the reporters let on because you didn't want to be the reporter to talk about it. But it was bad. And I kind I mean I was I was at KOMU, so I mean I was I was a drive by participant for a couple of but he just and the guy he is now, completely different. Mm-hmm. Pools was difficult. But when he would do it, and he would do it once a year with us, he was outstanding. And I guess none of this is surprising because in order to be great at these particular games, you have to have knowledge. Mm -hmm. And for us, the knowledge would wow us. But this is what they do. So, like, if somebody were to ask me or you about the radio show, we'd start talking. People, wow, that's that's what we do. (laughs) So, you know, I guess we shouldn't be that impressed. But he was really good. But I also know, and I always kind of respected it, too. He didn't want to be bothered with doing interviews, but it wasn't because he was like dicking around playing golden tea. Yeah. He was working. He was always working, even though he, you know, when he first showed up, he of course wasn't the best in the game, but within a year or two, he was the best in the game and he was always working. And I had just the greatest deal of respect for that and kind of surprise because usually that isn't what goes on once somebody gets there. And he was just constantly working, obsessed with the game obsessed with the game and obsessed with practicing the game um but as far as like if i needed to get a sound bite from him i'd be like oh god you know um who else anybody stand out is, is from your standpoint jackson like observing yeah uh who kind of back to like the old uh the broadcast thing like jason mott would i think would be a fantastic yeah, a broadcaster and absolutely then, that's a nice play and then i don't know how vocal it is and he's doing such great things with coaching and will be a fantastic coach but kim english is just such a oh i was a big uh, fan amazing, I, I feel like he could wind up being the head coach at missouri someday i told I, him that on the radio actually i, I said pray, no, no, you're going to be back yeah after Conzo, i think he would be i mean he might get a much better job to be honest because he is a fantastic coach when i was at that mizzou basketball camp 
uh, I talked about the players would show up and I was real young and Kim English was working on my free throws and Kim English just came up, put his arm around me, gave me some tips on shooting free throws, stood there for like five minutes working on it with me unsolicited. He's just, wow. so, so, and he was a freshman too. He was like 19 years old. Yep. And he had that just, presence. He was so wonderful. I, I hope Kim, Eng, I, every time I see Kim English, I just hope for the best for him. He seems like he would be, and him and Vahe had such a great relationship too. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Vahe is like a family friend because him and my mom worked together forever and Vahe and Kim English were very close. That is, uh, I, I mean, I remember, I guess it was in his senior year. Uh, and maybe it was like the last time he was on the show. Or maybe it was when he was he would gone and become a graduate assistant somewhere. I don't know. I'm just like, hey, man, inevitably. I don't think so because he wasn't coaching yet. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're going to wind up being the coach Missouri. I, I mean, Buck Swope. I'll have to put Buck Swope on that one. <laughs> see if we can find it. Um, but I just have always kind of felt that. Now what, he's an assistant under... Rick, Rick Barnes. Barnes at Tennessee, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's he, at this point in hell. So how old is he? Is he I guess he's got to be 30? Yeah, right around 30, 31. I mean, he is, I mean, shit, he's way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going he, to be head coach within a couple of years. He was a finalist for the SEMO job. And I think he took his name out because he's like, I'm just going to keep, because under Rick Barnes, I mean, to be like, one, he's one of the best basketball coaches going right now. Just to learn under him on a good program, I think is better than taking a lower-level D1 job. Right. Yeah, it's smart. That's uh, it's not the way that it normally works, but no. that is uh, that is smart. Um, let's see. There was a third question in there. Um, yeah, no, I the person that I understand if you can't actually name names in terms of least favorite. I'm trying to think. I mean, like, the car, if I'm ranking the teams with ease with which to do interviews, easily the Blues are the easiest. Ease, and I'm including the Rams still being around uh, as far as the three professional teams in St. Louis. It's without question. And I, I, I don't know if that'll ever change. I guess it'd be great if it changed just because that means the other leagues had to have gotten better. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the hockey guys are just in another world. The second would be the Rams. They were the second best. And the Cardinals are just brutal. But, I mean, it, I also would include this in it. They're playing 200 or so games a year. Yeah. And that means the clubhouse is open 200 times a year before and after a game, and they're going to lose most likely 100 times a year. And I'm including spring training and playoffs yeah. in there, you know. And so, you know, it's just and it's and it's the same crap most of the time. And some of the times you can't answer, so then it becomes like, like you can, like you know what happened. You know, so and so couldn't make the throw because so and so's got a messed up arm. You can't say that because that's not public information or so-and-so doesn't want it out there because he's a free agent, whatever the case might be. And so it's it becomes an – I can see why that would be the case. And we're in their office space. Like, can you imagine if we were doing the <laughs> yeah. show and we get done and there's like 10 guys, you know, who <laughs> couldn't carry our jock straps standing around and it would just be like – and then asking us why we didn't do our job. Yeah. God. It would just be – now listen, they're making millions – most of them are making, you know, millions of dollars. So I understand, but – I un- but I, I do understand why it was, you know, it was difficult. And I don't even know who I'd consider a go-to who was a regular player on the Cardinals. As far as a position player, regular, had to have been one. I mean, maybe like an Eckstein. Yeah, I was about to say Eckstein. That would, that would be one. But as far as, you know, I'm, and I'm talking about the pre- or post-game interviews. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know... 
I'm not talking about, you know, away from a game and, you know, sitting down. Because spring training would always be really good. Skip Schumacher? Uh, good. Nothing like, again, I'm, I'm thinking of in that setting, in, uh-huh. in, the, in, the, in the clubhouse, whether it be at Bush Stadium or on the road in the playoffs. It just, you know, and even now, now, now the situation at spring training this year is, I saw Mike Claiborne post a video, and it's like, you know, he's up in a tower, and, uh, it, and I think only three other people are allowed in the tower. So that, that's how you watch spring training this year. And I think they're, for real, four credentials for the morning and four for the afternoon, and that's it. That is the only way. It's, it's pointless. But you can't go in the clubhouse. But had we been able to go in the clubhouse, even now, I'm just like, God, I don't want to be doing this stuff. And I'd get guys to come out for the podcast, and a guy like Flaherty would be great. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's this dance, and you're like begging for it, and they don't separate me from anybody else, you know, nor yeah. should they. But at the point is, I'm not around. Like, whereas they have a great relationship with the cat, he's around, so they know him. And you're just, I'm, it's like you're, I'm taken back to like the early 2000s where I'm begging for an interview, except now I'm older than the players. <laughs> and it's it's just really, yeah. but, I, but at the same time, I get it. I don't think they're like bad or shitty people. Because they don't want to do an interview, they're at work, and only a handful of them in that in that clubhouse at spring training are guaranteed a starting spot. So they're there to work and to prove their worth, which is how they make their living. So I now have a different perspective on that process than I did back in the day. I'm kind of like, man, he's mean. He's a shitty guy, and I'm like, oh, now I get it. You know, yeah. I see it differently. Uh, let's see, what kind of changes are you making to your golf game this year? Is the extra practice going to give you a leg up when it comes to time for the Fan Pin Championship? Boy, what a great, sincere question. Um, Jackson, are you participating in the Fan Page Club Championship? Yeah, I'm. I am very. Uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to doing that. What's your What's your number? I'm gonna, look you I'm, gonna, up. I'm gonna go. Tw- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep an eye on you. I'm gonna go twelve. I gotta register for a gin for this year. Yeah, it's so damn easy. Yeah, it's that, that's I, that's that's one of the things with the Fan Page Club Championship. That's that that is the thing with the Fan Page Club Championship. Mm-hmm. It's and it's a. I mean, it's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, crazy. I mean, it's it's, so a, it's a real it's a real thing in any event where there's any amount of cash involved yeah, you got where it. you have sandbagging mm-hmm. it's it's you know i mean it's certainly it's probably a bigger deal at like a member guest type situation or yeah. you know something like that but where guys are playing gambling and you know somebody's like this there's no fucking way this guy's a you know 10 handicap and it's not a so i am officially at this moment a 6.3 and that is with nice. some big numbers down here well i got as low as i think a 4.1 Sheesh! I never got that um, low, never. But I mean, you know, my the last score I entered was a ninety-two, and that was a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the day before, I shot an eighty. So um, that that and that's that's shoulder related. I played four days in a row, and my shoulder can't handle it. So uh, I and I knew too. I know I was like, God, I'm going to play this because I know the weather is going to be nice. But I know I'm going to put up a big number. I didn't think it would be that big. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a wide delta. Mm-hmm. 6.3 I would say I am not an actual 6.3 at this moment what am I working on I am working on short game stuff the great Michael Wellington formerly of Nick and the Badger who is uh, as we speak caddying for uh, Chris Nagel um, uh, in the Puerto Rico qualifier for the PGA uh, showed me some short game stuff and you know, I don't know if you've ever played. I'm sure you have because you went to school down here. Um, Bermuda, chipping off Bermuda. Brutal. 
Yeah, it's just it's one of those. And at the same time, I know the people listening to this. First off, how many care? Two <laughs> percent, maybe that might be high. And then of that, how many really even know what the hell the difference is on it? I didn't know until yeah, you know, within the next, I didn't really play, you know, intensely until 2016. But it's just a, it's a, it's I don't know, it's totally it's like, different. It's like chipping off of concrete, kind of. Yeah, my first ever chip when I was down in Florida, played my first round. And I, I chipped it, and I mean, I chunked it. I mean, I took out so much earth, and I was like, what the... And all these kids from Florida were laughing at me, like, it's Bermuda's a whole different ball game because in Missouri, it's like hard pan, and over there, yeah. it's like this, like, the soil is right up against the, the grass. Yes, it's, and it's... And, and so I'm just... So if I had a shot... So the way it works down here is obviously it's super short grass, and I'd just be, like, putting from 20 yards away. Yeah, and people I'm playing with are just like this guy. What in the world, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I'm just like, I'm going to come down here for as long as we're here, and I have no idea how long we would be here, how long we will be here, and I'm just gonna just gonna chip. That's all I'm going to do. Because if you can do that off Bermuda, you can sure as hell can do it off oh, Soja in St. Yeah, Louis, big you know, time. effortlessly. And Wellington, who is a great player, and like I said, he's caddy. Might be caddying in a PGA Tour event this week. Um, Showed me, and, and now it's almost like I look forward to having the shot. Mm-hmm. And I would actually describe it as easy, but you have to know how to do it. Now, I can't do it, you know. But I, at this point, I would say if I have the shot, I'm going to get myself in a position to have a makeable putt. Not to say I'll make the putt, but a makeable putt. So I'm going to call makeable putt 10 feet and in. Mm-hmm. You're not going to – and I'll make a 10-footer 20% of the time probably. Um, but, you know, with each, you know – radius closer to the hole you increase your probability of getting up and down and that's you know that's becoming somewhat regular and that's and it's you know i'm not going to go into golf lesson here on the podcast but (laughs) um you know it's just once once he explained it and then you have the swing thoughts as you're going through the the swing it's it i don't want to call it effortless but it's like holy shit now i get how to do that and i'd like to think i'll be able to bring that back to st louis i got to get the putting thing down i was texting with craig story yesterday who's an instructor in St. Louis, I said, I got to get some putting drills down. And I realized down here you're putting because the grain is the big thing in yeah. Florida golf. Mm-hmm. But um, that that is, uh, I got I to gotta just get some putting drills. And all these guys at the course where I'm playing, so many of them, the swings, Jackson, holy shit. They're just beautiful. They're tour caliber swings, and they're always, not always, but a few of the guys are videoing themselves, and then they'll talk with each other. They're all trying to get on the corn ferry. Yeah. So they, a lot of them played college, and most of them spend afternoon. I mean, a whole afternoon. Like I'll go out with my son, and we'll just mess around, and maybe go nine holes, or maybe we'll play eighteen. One day, I had my son and my father-in-law. We went and played eighteen, and I went to the number one tee. Kid with a Yukon bag uh, was on the green, and we wrapped up eighteen. And he was walking to his car after. So he'd spent four, four and a half hours just putting on the putting green and that's the game that's the game it's also from my standpoint the most boring thing to practice but you got to create drills or have drills and ways to keep it interesting because that's when you get to a certain point that's where when i was texting with craig story last night now i don't necessarily agree with this but he was saying he goes your swing is you know good enough at this point he goes you got to get the short game down and you, once you get the short game the putting down he goes you're going to be a scratch call for it i'm like i don't know but um 
in my mind, I think I can, but, you know, to actually do that, I don't know. I play with some guys who are damn good, and they're not scratch, so I don't know how the hell I'm going to be there. But, you know, we'll give it a run. Um, so as far as the Fan Page Club Championship, I can't win the Fan Page Club Championship. It, it, is a, it is a rite of passage, though, the celebration on the Fan Page when I get knocked out of the Fan Page Club <laughs> Championship. There is, there is nothing greater than the schadenfreude of me losing the Fan Page Club Championship. It is incredible amusement to watch annually um let's see uh this is a question uh for the for either the boys in the studio or anna marie uh when tim says nurse or where is my nurse does he look around the studio or his house (laughs) jackson you you've only host or you've only produced one show with me in person yeah so i I don't know if i'm the right person to be answering that a phenomenon when did you start december december November? 7th there you go uh yeah i was doing the show from my house yeah in uh, i think back in october it was all the way up until june then back in studio for a couple months then in october and then i drove down here on december 28th don't know when i'll be driving back and uh and so jackson you can't speak to it i don't even know where so much of the stupid shit that I say that then becomes TMA lexicon mm-hmm. is actually the dumb shit we would say when we were drunk in Columbia. <laughs> and so my friends from then are just like, this is the stuff we were saying like when we were shit-faced at three in the morning and now it's on your radio show. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things. And I think I think it was my buddy. And uh, this is like Iggy with naming women from his past. <laughs> uh, but I'll do it because maybe I'll get back to him even though I texted with him here in the last couple of weeks. Michael Creasy... And we'd be up at the bar at Quentin's, which you probably didn't even get to experience. Was that even around when you were there? No. Do you know the Gone. location? Um, 10th Street, I think. Okay. Uh, and now it's like an apartment building. Yeah. Ne- next to Tonic. Is Tonic still around? Tonic got tossed. Tonic turned Ta- in. Tonic got tossed. Yeah, Tonic. Tonic was gone and after my freshman year. Uh, <laughs> Brookside buy- buys everything that's like remotely cheap so most of everything you probably know is brookside now is gone yeah. yeah so that's where quentin's was and that i mean that was easily it you know late 90s that was i mean that was uh and it was and i'll have to say let me tell you something not that i was fortunate enough to engage with any of uh, <laughs> the lasses but that was at a, that was high end from i mean i don't know if there was a place in the, high, in the late 90s where there were better looking last it was a small place Mm-hmm. I was like, this field house is so frat. I was just not frat, you know. Yeah, just I know not what you're my saying. thing. And this wasn't this wasn't really frat. I mean, certainly like there were sorority girls, but they were kind of like the non-frat sorority girls. And mm-hmm. it was just a, it was another. It was it was wonderful. Why why am I talking about this? By the way, what the fuck triggered this? Nurse. Oh, the where nurse comes from. Yeah. So Creasy, we'd be standing at the bar, and for whatever reason, just be shit faced. The nurse. Nurse, he would call the bartender nurse, <laughs> and I have no idea. And honestly, I didn't ask then. And here we are in 2021, and I'm talking about it. I'm actually being asked about it on a show that I'm hosting, and I don't have an answer. So I'm, and, and the person wasn't even asking me; they were asking you, and I don't have an answer for it. I Am I looking around when I do it? No, I just I say that it's like when I say Doug 500 times during the show, yeah. and Doug knows exactly what I'm doing, and he responds perfectly yeah. because Doug is the greatest two guard in the history of the game so you know i get him the ball he hits the shot and back down the floor we go <laughs> sometimes you doug will ask a question and you'll respond with well doug <laughs> that's my favorite <laughs> I'll, I'll bring that out for you tomorrow jackson as Sweet. Be like a long distance request um 
Let's see. All right. I, I haven't even gotten into the emails yet. And how long have we gone? 51 we minutes. Gone. Oh, God, Jackson. <laughs> I'm doing it again. All right. What do I need to talk about? I need to talk about this, what Seth Goldcamp is doing. Uh, and Seth Goldcamp is doing something great for the listeners of the radio show and the podcast. If you work in the hospitality industry, restaurant and bar, casino, hotel, and airline employees are eligible for the hospitality worker rebate. All of these employees can receive a free furnace tune-up or $400 off a new furnace installation. No strings attached, no purchase necessary. Design Air just wants to thank hospitality workers for their sacrifice. To schedule your free tune-up or get more information about the rebate, please visit designairservice.com. This promo runs until March 31st or until funds run out. Thank you very much to the great Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. And then Restoration One. Uh, is St. Louis thaws out. Jim Rogers of Restoration One has has these tips for you. Number one, know where your home's main water shutoff is located. Um, when water is gushing, you absolutely must know how to stop it yourself. If you suspect a pipe could be frozen, thaw it slowly with a hot towel, hair dryer, or portable heater. Do not try to thaw it quickly, slow and low. That's the tempo. And heaven forbid a pipe should rupture. If so, shut off your water immediately. Call a plumber for repair and call Restoration One of Central St. Louis to guide you through drying your home. They'll help you assess the damage and decide if it warrants your homeowner's insurance. If your policy is with a great company like James Carlton, you're in good hands. If you're with a cut-rate company, tell them good luck. 24-7 Restoration One of Central St. Louis has your back. 314-888-5266. He brings up James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. He is my insurance agent, and I recommend James Carlton to our audience. James Carlton, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If you're buying a house, getting married, or have a growing family, make sure your loved ones will be okay if you don't make it home. Call James at 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net to see just how inexpensive it is to protect your family through term life insurance. Although the worst is unlikely, none of us would leave the driveway without strapping our little tykes into a car seat. Life insurance is no different. Although it's not likely that you don't make it home tonight, it's not a risk worth taking when it comes to providing for your loved ones. State Farm is the number one provider of term life insurance in the U.S., call James Carlton at 314-961-4800 or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. Dot net. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. All right, I uh, made reference to all the emails I received, um, and uh, and they were about uh, a topic that I didn't really anticipate gaining as much traction as it did, Jackson, but that is people relocating because of the pandemic. Um, and then the topic we got into, which is there is an edge, at least I think there is an edge for people who are in a position, whether they're part of a group or they have the money themselves to invest in the market or the markets they think are going to experience not necessarily an Austin-like, but something comparable to Austin's growth. Austin, I think, is so extreme that I don't know if it would be fair to try to to hold it to that kind of standard. And so we were talking about last week, uh, Scottsdale is one. I got emails from people who live in Scottsdale now. Um, I, I just got so many of them. I don't know which ones to read, but I know I have one highlighted here, but it's not specific. I don't think anyway to Scottsdale. Um, obviously, Florida, um, specifically this area, um, not necessarily, you know, Palm Beach is Palm Beach County is one thing. Palm Beach is another whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. But but even Martin County, which is the county just to the north of Palm Beach County, the county to the south of Palm Beach is Broward, which is where Lauderdale is. And uh-huh. then 
than you're in Miami-Dade. But I think it'll continue to move up the coast. But the one I feel like a lot of people said was where you went to school. Mm-hmm. So you were you were in Fort Myers, right? Yeah. So Fort Myers and then Tampa, which is what about two hours north? Yep. Um, that got a lot of got a lot of people emailing in on those plays. Yeah, I mean Fort Myers is just uh, a ton to do in Fort Myers. There really is, and the university helps that. There's a lot of younger apartments and areas throughout Fort Myers downtown. Fort Myers is really cool. Uh, and then you're right next to the beach, ton of golf courses. Fort Myers is a great area. And then, you know, you can, you're two hours from Miami, two hours from Lauderdale, two hours south of Tampa, right next to the beach. Fort Myers is a fantastic spot. And, and it's primed for this kind of growth. Yeah. Um, and, and what Doug pointed out when we did talk about this on the Ryan Kelly Morning After is this. See, I was mistaken. Somebody said, well, Naples. And I go, but Naples really is in the city. No, it's not. But then Doug goes, yeah, but the whole thing is, that's the point. Mm -hmm. You don't need a city. So now, as other people then point, I mean, I got so many emails on this. I feel like I've I've, like taken a college course on this thing that doesn't even (laughs) exist yet, this projection of what's going to happen. Some people pointed out, well, you know, it sounds great to live and work remotely, but you have to be in a spot where you have quality, high-speed internet, because that's the whole point. Well, yeah. Can't so be woods exactly, but a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, I just want to live. You know, I don't care. Like so we, I think we had somebody texting in about Montana, and mm-hmm. you know, well, you might not necessarily be in a spot where you have it then. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but you know, in Florida, you're going to have it. At mm-hmm. least I would think, damn near everywhere in Florida, and certainly in the Scottsdale, Phoenix, Tempe, Mesa. What else am I leaving out? Glendale. That there's like five cities in Phoenix. Um. Any anything else along like <sighs> in the south that we're just not getting? I wouldn't count Vegas because that's already experienced uh, yeah. a big revival to an extent. Um, uh, maybe part like Gulf Shores, Alabama, but that's such a vacationy, like yeah. touristy spot. Um, yeah. South Louisiana, but. It's kind of a similar I thing. Know. I don't think so on that. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know. If it's somewhere in Alabama or Mississippi, I have no idea. But either way, this is something that certainly uh, certainly resonated with people. I'll read a couple of uh, emails on it. Uh, so we got some emails on the, on the topic, and I wanted to make sure I read it because I got so many of them. Uh, Tim, I really enjoyed uh, the work-from-home relocation topic from QFTA. You guys are spot on. If I could find a way to go long this theme of Florida, Arizona, besides residential real estate i am all in on this play slash investment i'm in the exact spot you described great job that is now open to all work from home we are currently searching for a new home in st louis and i've actively been pushing the relocation theme to my wife but she is not leaving st louis slash family i'm not from here so not tied down but fucking hate the cold and florida is our vacation spot every year i truly think this theme is going to play out very fast next year or two great topic today um and I think that email there sums up a lot of it right there. Mm-hmm. And also, even though it didn't include him, it, it, his wife, that's going to be the thing. That's, I mean, that's the thing for me as well, um, the family element. But, I mean, the reality is if, if I needed to see my family tonight at 7 o'clock and I'm recording this at 1226 Eastern as we speak, I could do it. Mm-hmm. 
you know and so it, while that's that's true it's not like you're moving to another country you know and yeah. so I don't know. It's just what, but that that gets into the topic of something that we talked about, Jackson. Before I th- felt like it was brought up maybe on the radio or on the podcast. I don't know, but we I know we talked about it on the podcast before, before you were part of it, um, and that is like the backlash some native St. Louisans get when they tell other native St. Louisans that they're moving. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it is a it is a really weird thing. It's kind of like success shaming yeah. that goes on. Um, and I don't know what that's about. That's I, I, I'm not saying that's exclusive to St. Louis, but uh, we talked about that on the on the podcast as well. Like, oh well, he thinks he's so great because he's making money, or she thinks she's so great. And it's just like, well, I mean, they made money. Good for the, like. Wouldn't you be happy? I mean, especially like if you're in an industry and somebody starts making more, all that did was just, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Yep. So you should be happy about it. But instead, there's like this hate. And, oh, they want to move to Scottsdale. Great. Good for them. They're going to enjoy, you know, sure, sure, the summer might be super hot, but it's already super hot in St. Louis, and they're going to do that, and good for them. What the fuck? Um, But the family one, I get. Uh, Let's see what I got. I want to see. Uh, Big Tim, big fan of both the podcast and radio show, and heard you talk about working remotely and the impact it's having on the workforce. I work for a large commercial real estate company and have been working through these questions with clients on a daily basis. Uh, since I can tell you are interested in the topic, I wanted to pass along the 2020 EMSI study, which goes into detail on talent attraction and migration. The data in the attached was captured just before COVID, but most think COVID will only expedite the move from larger, more expensive cities to smaller cities. Hope you find it interesting. Thanks for the laughs. Iggy is the GOAT. And please hold on using my last name on the air, so therefore I will respect that. And that comes from David. And so what he has sent over, EMSI, their talent attraction scorecard, and um, and its research dictating what uh, what is going on and the shift where people are moving. And so the top 10 large counties where people are moving... Um, and again, this is right before COVID. Action Jackson, we like guessing games. Yeah, I sure Usually do. I send them to Doug. <laughs> see if you can guess. All of these counties we will recognize or I will recognize and be able to point you in the right direction of the greater metropolitan area where people are moving. Uh, fire away. See if you can see how many you can guess before you go wrong. So whatever county Austin is in. And, I, and that's the thing on the Texas ones. I don't know. There are three Texas ones. Okay. Four, well, hold on. Four Texas. Four of the ten are Texas ones. All right, then. McKinney, Texas. I think that's where Dallas is. Georgetown, Texas. No clue what that is. Denton, Texas, and Conroe, Texas. All right. <laughs> that, that stands to reason because people are moving to Texas. Uh, I would say Broward County is in there. Uh, no, it is not. Lee County? Lee County, Florida? Lee County is in there. Conroe, okay. if it is Conroe. I'm saying it's like Monroe. Yeah, Monroe, okay. I know Conroe. what you're saying. That's Houston, by the okay, way. Okay, got it. Um, for the record, I'm doing all these Texas ones. I mean, we're probably right on target with where they are. Yeah. Uh, McKinney is Dallas. You were yeah. correct on that, sir. What do you think Georgetown is? You think probably that's Austin. Uh, Austin, Georgetown, Texas is... 
I still don't have an answer on this, even though I'm looking at it. Georgetown. Let's do better here. Let's do better. Georgetown. Round Rock. Well, that's Round Rock's kind of the Houston area. Or no, Austin, excuse me, Austin area. Okay. So just it's north of Austin. Pretty decent ways, too. Um, yes, Lee County was 10. Okay. That's where Fort Myers is. That's correct. Um, uh, definitely. This one has been in the news in the last four months. Uh, is it part of Arizona? It is. Action Jackson. Yeah. I, I know. Maricopa. Maricopa, yeah, yeah. That is number one. Clark County, which is Las Vegas, too. Okay. Then we have two Texases, Riverside, California. Yeah, that's where uh, there's a couple of colleges near Riverside. That one surprises me. A California play. Atlanta yeah, does. does not surprise me. That's, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Wake, Wake County. Yeah. Forest, Raleigh, North Carolina. And Atlanta would be uh, Fuller County. Uh, Fulton. Fulton, that's what I mean. Yeah, you yeah. Have Fulton, you have Cobb. Um, of the top 40 large counties, 12 of them are in Florida. Not in, Broward isn't one of them. Palm Beach is one. Yeah, Broward's uh, really heavily populated. It's like so. Yeah, there might not be room for growth. Yeah, that's where all my friends from Florida Gulf Coast were from. Broward. At a state level, Florida is another standout with counties in the Sunshine State holding twelve of the top forty large county spots. Strong job growth, particularly in skilled occupations, or a theme among them. Additionally, number ten, Lee County, is home to Fort Myers. One of the fastest growing cities in the country. So, Jackson, we're already too late on our Fort Myers play. Damn it. You know? Yeah. We got it. We're on the game theory thing. We got to get where people aren't right now. Uh-huh. You know, we, we got we to invest in Jordan Spieth three weeks ago, not Jordan Spieth now. You no, follow I, me? Absolutely. You follow my hustle? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Top three. So the small counties. Let's see if there's anything Missouri related here. Um, so the premise being that people are doing this, and most of these, when I look at the map, are south of the Mason Dixon line, unless you get into the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Uh, That's God. I don't know if I see, I see two mid-sized markets make up more than half of the top 100. Uh, If you are west of Kansas, east of Kansas City, there are only two counties that are north of St. Louis that are listed. Mm. And one is Hamilton, which I think is Cincinnati in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And then Loudoun, which is that, it's either Virginia or uh, Maryland. Uh, so it's D.C., point yeah, being. DMV. People are leaving big cities for mid and small markets. Uh, these are the cities that are experiencing major drops in population. L.A., yeah. Chicago, mm-hmm. Houston, Phoenix, mm. um, San Diego, Anaheim, Miami, Dallas, Brooklyn. Um, and, and so that's... That's what's going on, and it's yeah. going to continue. And, but again, this is pre-COVID. This was right before pre-COVID. High net losses and movers uh, February to July 2020. So this has some COVID. Manhattan, no surprise. Brooklyn, basically the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and then Chicago, San Francisco, L.A. Naples. Hmm. What the hell's going on there? <laughs> yeah. I guess we're buying up Naples. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Naples and both Fort Myers experienced losses. Well, they experience gains and losses, nurse. Uh, Washington, D.C., Houston, Philadelphia. Um, Surprise Boston's not in there. Boston and St. Louis and Detroit have been losing population for so long that mm-hmm. the percentage probably 
Yeah, so but- anyway, there's there's a little bit of data uh, to back up the uh, the discussion. Here's another one. Hey Tim, just wanted to weigh in on the mar- market shift to remote working. My wife and I rented a one bedroom place in Kissimmee, Florida, for all of January, just to get out of the cold and as a trial run to see if we wanted to buy a place long term in Florida. We loved it and are likely looking in the space between Tampa and Sarasota long term to buy something. As someone who really just wants to walk outside every evening, eat on a patio occasionally, and hit some golf balls, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. One of the other reasons that very remote locations work now is the introduction of Elon Musk's SpaceX's Starlink Internet. My in-laws just received beta access for Q2. They currently get absolutely terrible Internet on their 13 acres in the county on the Illinois side. They'll now get access to 100 megabyte downloads in the middle of the country. It's going to be a game changer for people who live in a completely remote place like the mountains or Montana plains, for example. Just a couple thoughts. That is from Eric, and I don't know if he wants me to read his name, so I just won't. So there's that Internet thing and people just looking around. And it, Now, here's the thing. He's, here, here, here's a guy who's married without kids. Yeah, that's a big part. That's that's the biggest thing. Now, I mean, I'm in a spot where our, our son isn't in school yet, so it's a different deal. But if you have a few kids and one of them's in school or a couple of them in school or all of them are in school, whatever the deal is, that's a different that's a different deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, I know yeah. you're not there, and I guess I'm kind of not there, but it's coming. Um, and so it, it, a lot of these emails about people who want to do it, you know, here's another one. Hey, Tim, just listen to the podcast in segment three. My wife and I are moving to Tampa in March of this year, and as we're both able to work remotely. We visited after Thanksgiving. The amount of construction workers walking around and construction going up is unbelievable. This development that I linked to is going to be a beautiful area as well. I wish I could afford to buy, but from what I saw, Tampa is going to be booming city soon. Enjoy your time in Florida. Maybe next year when I drive across the state for a spring training game, we can shoot the shit over a beer. I don't go sh- golf, so shaving strokes is out of the question. Um, that's from Josh Bob Bill. So I, so something that I just kind of thought was like, hey, here's here's something that I think is going to happen. It's already happened. Yeah. And it's happening, and it's happening with a lot of our audience. And I was really surprised by that. Again. Oftentimes, I will know before we even get into it when a topic is going to resonate. Um, this one I didn't expect to resonate like it did uh, because I've gotten so many emails about it, so many emails about it. And a lot of people are either considering it. Now, again, what I was about to say before I digressed is you got to be at a certain point in life and you probably can't be at another point in life. And so you either have to be the kids are out of the house or you haven't had kids yet. Now, of course, you can do it with kids, but it's just a different ball game. If you're talking about you have three kids and they're all been, you know, ones in second grade, ones in seventh grade, and ones in high school, mm-hmm. that's a tough thing. Yeah. But um, if you don't have kids, the kids are young. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obvious. So this this sucks, Jackson. The Fort Myers things are people are already hip to it. Rats. I don't uh, I don't know if Naples is in Lee County or not. It might be in Collier. There's Collier. Lee and Collier County right there. Okay. And that might be in Collier, because Lee, I think, is a little north. Um, yes, it is. It is. Okay. Uh, but you, if, if you're going into Naples and you're not flying private, uh, which, of course, all of our audience does. Yeah, of course. But um, you're flying into Fort Myers and then you're driving. Yeah, RSW. It's probably like 40 minutes at most. Yeah, I was about to say 40 minutes-ish. Uh, so there it is. Any other thoughts on the topic? Please don't hesitate. And now, um, hold on. I have to have more. I had to have. I thought I had two of these on the why we hate you. Ooh. 
This is the, the, the big deep tees. I'm only finding one of them. There's one. Oh, I think I got it. I gotta, I gotta scroll down. Um, damn it all the hell. Oh, here it is. I found I guess there were two. Tim, on this week's QFTA, you noted no one has answered this question yet that does hate you. I'm going to attempt to. Maybe somebody already has. For the record, I do not hate you. Furthermore, I think the reasoning I'm going to lay out is stuff you likely already know. At the core, I think it's simply people that are unhappy with their lives and or have too much time on their hands. I don't mean this in a lemming way, but rather I don't think there is much more to the issue. Some people like some things, some people like other things, and let's add, but only losers take the time to send unproductive messages about things they don't like. Most people that are happy with life slash busy with their occupation will see something they don't like and then move on. However, in some rare cases, they may choose to act, but act in a way that is productive, i.e. educating someone they feel is misinformed, ask a question to further understand or fix the problem if they feel they have a ready solution. If they do bitch about it in an unproductive manner, it's usually to their significant other or friend as a release, which then allows them to look past an issue. Whether someone likes you or not because you sometimes talk about porn, the Florida deal, the country club, or making management decisions for a station you don't manage or own, those reasons are subjective and, I believe, irrelevant. The bigger question is why take the time to bitch about something outside of your inner circle with no bigger intention of finding an answer, i.e. not asking you directly when you make your email address public? Why spend time on things that have no upside? Why have a burner account on Twitter? I think you're still looking for a more specific answer, but again, the people who seem to hate you also don't seem to want to message you directly, so that's why I'm doing it. This predicament doesn't give you insight into their reasoning, but at the same time, it does. In my opinion, this says the reason they don't like you is more about them than it is about you. Again, not the answer you're looking for, and probably not anything shocking. I just think the issue is as shallow as the thinking of the haters sending in the hate. Maybe I'm a loser for having the time to write this in. Who knows? Thanks. That's from the Sultan of Duck Butter. And I appreciate it, but he is right. It doesn't necessarily... Because here's, here's what I think. Here's the reason why I ask the question. I think there is information out there that is not true, that in a, in a, in a segment of the audience, they think is true and they hate me for it. That's what I think is going on. So that's where I'm coming from with the question. People creating burner accounts or being passive-aggressive, whether it be on message boards, Reddit... Social media, that's, that, that, that's not unique to, to no. my experience. No. That's been going on since the 90s. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate what he's saying, and I get, I, get the, I get the psychology of that, and I appreciate it, and I was just glad to get one. Uh, but but I, my theory, Jackson, is, is that there is something that the audience, it's kind of become a truth. I, I oftentimes talk about, what become message board truths or social media truths that actually aren't truths. Um, like all Frank Cusimano talks about his high school basketball. That's one that I've leaned on for years. And I'm like, yeah, and that's not true. But it becomes like a narrative. It becomes like like a like an impression of somebody. Yeah. Uh, you know, like when Dana Carvey would do his George H.W. Bush, not going to do it. George Bush really didn't say that. No. But it became associated with George H.W. Bush. And so that was the impression. And so that's what I that that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to get the answer on. So I appreciate the Sultan of Duck Butter, uh, and then we got another one, and this one I guess had some more specifics. Uh, so, so here's the deal with this: 
if you do what I do for a living, and even Jackson, what you now do for a living, mm-hmm. and what Doug does for a living, and what Iggy does for a living, and what the cat has done for a living, and may someday do again for a living with doing this radio show, and the Plowhawk, and guys who have come and gone, you know, Producer Joe, and Gangster Pete, uh, and the Sea Monster, and Willie, and whoever else has been involved with the show that I'm inadvertently leaving out, but not as a way to send some kind of you know, Britney Spears, free Britney message. <laughs> it, it just, it's my memory. You expose yourself to getting hatred. That, that's part oh, of yeah. the deal. Mm-hmm. And you, and you understand it. And it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, even if you can't understand it, then you really should not do it. And I say that from a place of sincerity because it's going to torture you. Yep. That's part of the deal. The difference on this is I believe there is a false narrative or narratives about things I think specific to the show that people think and I'm trying to get to the bottom of so I can actually address but if nobody will send them to me then I have no way to address them but if, if you want to take the step further as we go meta how would somebody know that what they believe is false you follow me Jackson yeah like how, so, would, how would they know right like so if you really think like if you're really into this QAnon thing for example you don't know it's not true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So you can't... And then even if somebody goes, well, no, it's not true, and I'm, we're concerned about you because you believe it, it's like, no, you're just part of the... You know, yeah, the mainstream, exactly. You know, so you can't, you can't even reason. That's why I always said, even if someone appeared and said, hey, this religion thing, it's not real, and here's actually what happened, people still wouldn't believe oh, whatever no. being... Yeah. You know what I mean? Then they would be labeled as like a, a heathen. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... so but that's that we're talking about a serious situation there. Here we're talking about this, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. goofball <laughs> thing that, that we do for a living. So I want to make sure I keep but that's what I'm trying to people who might not be happy with themselves and then venting on social media or with burners, I that's that that's not limited yeah, to that's this. A tale that's of what I what I'm trying to now this person here, um Dan uh, he, he came up with what he thinks might be some specifics. Hey, Tim, long email coming, and I apologize in advance. First off, I have to let you know how much of a fan I am of Jackson. There you go, Jackson. There Let's it is go. again. Hell yeah. You're Thank starting you. to experience what Gangster Pete experienced. Uh, his ability to actually put together a best-of show where he incorporates different segments into each hour versus just rerunning hour-long segments is something that Seamonster and Prod Joe used to do and is something that I had missed in the past couple of years when TMA would run best-ofs. Big kudos to the Virgin. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, secondly, you've been requesting emails on why people hate listen to you. While I don't... And think you are sincerely one of the best broadcasters of my time. <laughs> Where's the now, gong? Why are you laughing, Jackson? Where's the gong? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's just calling how he sees it, and I agree with him. I think yeah, he's right no, on target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I'm 37 years old. I have to c- explain why I think at certain points I get confused or maybe even a little frustrated by some of your comments. For me, I go back to when TMA moved to 920 in the whole Albert Pujols situation. Things were said in the paper that I have heard you say are flat-out untrue. A portion of the audience wanted the meats and guts of the situation. However, you only provided a small statement. I wanted the meats and guts of the story, especially after what took place a handful of months earlier, when you went off about comments made by Dan Marshall, the Dan Caesar in the Post-Dispatch. I loved that. 
Now, I know that the situation was completely different because those two situations are completely different, and I'm comparing apples to oranges, but I really think that had an effect on how some listeners view you. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that is what's, what I'm going for now, but I think there's something to that. I do think there's something to that. I'm gonna, you still got more in the email, though, and I'll go back to it. Another thing that happened, which you have stated, is when your salary was made public. For me, it wasn't a big deal, but I could see why some would be envious and jealous by how much your salary is. Those people did not take into account everything that you did to get that salary, risk everything that you did to build 920. With that being said, a question that I always ask myself is what would Tim consider to be wealthy? I hear how much you talk about how you lived in the city for a good amount of time, but for being someone that grew up near Lime in South County, the St. Gabriel Parish that you were located in was and still is a very affluent area with not a lot of crime and houses selling for around 400000 currently. It's not the same as if you would go down to the exit by Interstate 55 and Bates, where <laughs> there are some pretty rough areas with a ton of crime. I would consider anyone making over $100,000 a year wealthy and that could afford a $400,000 house wealthy. Again, I don't hate you and listen to every QFTA and TMA and think you guys are all great. I even think Sound Story is amazing. As you might remember, me and my siblings came in back in October of last year to talk about our parents. I hope to be reaching out to you and Jackson in the coming months to get something set up for both my parents to be interviewed by you guys, as I really think you guys do a fantastic job with Sound Story. Again, I apologize for the length of the email. It comes from Dan. All right. Uh, now that was more specific, and I uh, and I appreciate. It. I like both. I like any attempt at answering. What I'm trying to get to is this. Here's here's the mission. The mission is this. I think, like what happened with the Plowhawk, and I think it was two years ago. Um, and I know the audience still doesn't know what happened there. Um, I know the audience. I know the Plowhawk knows what happened. I know that Doug and the cat and um, who was producing then Pete. Uh, and Iggy know what happened, but we keep the stuff inside. But for whatever reason, I got blamed, and it was, and it, I was, I was beside myself mm-hmm. because it wasn't true. And I know what I've done. And I even had done like a month earlier with Pete uh, when something happened with Pete, and how much, um, you know. And, and again, I don't think it's heroic at all. It's just like okay, we did what we got, had to do to try to keep the group together in in some circumstances. But I'm like, okay, since now I'm being called on it, I'm like, okay, fine, I'm going to fucking talk about it. I've just flat out given my own money to people on the show Mm -hmm. to keep the thing together. Now, I wouldn't talk about it if I wasn't, like, blamed for people. I don't operate the decisions of who's on the radio show, period. I, my company, which I don't own 100% of, I own the majority of, Inside STL, owns the content, but KFNS pays the hosts and producers. So I don't get a check from inside STL. I get a check from Markel Entertainment. Randy Markel owns the radio station. That is that is, that is, is the chain of command, for lack of a better term. It's probably not the right phrasing. but I, So I think, that might, I think that might be at the core of it. Not just the Plowhawk thing, the cat. Um, and I don't even know what else would be over the years. So I think that... that so that's what I'm trying to get to. What narrative that I can correct. And I'll go into detail, as much detail as I can, um, to help explain it. Because it's important to me, because I don't want the audience to think, and even though it's maybe a sliver of the audience, still, I don't want people to think something is is a fact when it's not, and it'll allow me to correct it. If I can. 
so that gets me to the pool holes thing, mm-hmm. which is a which was is a perfect example. I don't think that is what's going on now. I don't because I mean you're talking about something that is approaching nearly ten years old. It's it's eight years old at this point. That happened in 2013. So I, a lot of people who are active with the show now weren't listening in 2013. Um, the pools thing, even and I, I, I probably I, I know actually I can't get into some of it, um, and that's just you know, it's 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 so people would be enamored with it, which sucks to say because I'm I'm sure then people are like well then fucking talk about it. Here's why I don't talk about it. It's as simple as this. I don't own all of Inside STLs. I just happen to say because usually I don't even talk about that. But I don't own all of Inside STL, so I have business partners. Um, and the business partners in that particular situation, not all of, but some of, were truly concerned because of what was said and that Inside STL Enterprises owned the airtime, even though we weren't, by definition, responsible because the people involved um, were not our employees as we brokered out the time and they were 1099. But see, I'm getting into things that nobody wants to hear, but this is this is the reality of it. Mm-hmm. So you want the answer, this is the answer. They're independent contractors. Uh, that we would be involved in litigation up against a guy with God only knows how much money in his bank account. And it doesn't matter if the truth is on our side. If you have that kind of litigation and he really wants to make a stand, then Godspeed. Now, Every attorney we talked to, like, yeah, you're not exposed. Because they, because the attorneys, obviously, we were able to talk in detail of what happened and the truth, and we have the audio and the background, and, and it wasn't just, it, there's a whole lot more to it. And we have insurance policies and so on and so forth, and they knew what the circumstance of the business structure was. But in the newspaper, we were the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And that, it, it, but, but here's the other thing. In fairness to the newspaper, I couldn't talk. Why couldn't I talk? With, this is what Dan asks. You know, you just issued uh, a brief statement. He's exactly right. I did issue a brief statement. I, and it wasn't like because I was sitting there going, no, oh, I'm not going to talk. I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk. It's still one of the roughest parts of my career, but not because of the Pujols part. That was rough. But what was the roughest part was the fact that I couldn't talk transparently with the audience. That was the roughest part. That is when I am at my worst. That's when I'm at my worst professionally, and that's when I'm at my worst personally. When I can't just talk comfortably, I am at my worst, without question. I am, I'm actually bad then. And so in that circumstance, because we had an insurance policy protecting us, God only you never think that you're going to run into this situation, but shit, I still have one for Inside STL now. You just have one. Any media company has an insurance policy. It's called an EPLI. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the people in, involved is like, you do not under any, and attorneys, you do not understand under, or and under any circumstances go in the newspaper or on the radio. I don't even know if so. I mean, social media was around, but not to the extent it's amazing to say in 2013 that it wasn't nearly what it is now. And, uh, and, you know, clarify everything. Can't mm-hmm. do it because then you risk the insurance policy. And yeah. now, now you're, now you're, you know, now you got a real thing on your, you already got a situation, but now you got to, now you're taking it to another level. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that situation cost us, cost our business a lot of money. And uh, that's because we had to indemnify the uh, ownership of 920, as we did in our agreement. 
and who indemnified them inside STL. And inside STL was on the receiving end of that. So that's the reason. As far as what took place, that's a totally different, that's a totally different conversation. Um, but as far as why I didn't talk about it and why still now I don't talk about it as far as the details of it, that's the reason. And I understand the reason, and I had never been put in that position before, and I would absolutely do it again because I know the circumstances. The, 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 the thing I talk about most, both on the radio and on the podcast and just how I analyze decisions in general, is the juice worth the squeeze. And it wasn't even a sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not even a, yeah. uh, okay, well, you can risk the insurance policy and also, but now you're going to go tend to this because somebody is saying things that aren't true about you in the newspaper. Yeah. Brother, you're just going to have to eat that shit. Yep. There's, no, there's nothing to tend to. Now, I did have other people saying, fuck that. They're just saying things that are just flat out false. Go after them. But that was not, you know, and some, some of it was like how much money was in our business. As a, and it's just stuff that like if you yeah. own a business, it, it's like. You got to pick your battles. Well, I mean, you certainly get it just in life. You have to pick your battles. But if you own a business, what, how much money you have in your account is irrelevant. I mean, it's relevant. I shouldn't say it's irrelevant. But that's not your only form of no. how you calculate the health of your business. So it was clearly being talked about and written about by people who had never really operated a business. Yeah. And so whatever was in our account is irrelevant. You have investors, which is a source of capital. Yeah. You know, welcome to welcome to finance one two three, uh, and you have lines of credit, and you have you have your own personal money. So it was just, it, but it was, and it was just written about. I was just like, oh my god! But then at the same time, I wasn't able to comment, and so it just became a free for all. Well, we asked Tim McKernan, but he couldn't talk, and this is what he said. So it was just, it was a field day, and of course, understandably, also because I was in that same position just a few years before, and it's not like I'm a sophisticated businessman even now. I, people, most people don't for every shit Jackson, for every hundred people who read that, how many have actually been in a position where they've operated a business or, you know, would even, you know, understand why what's, what was in the business's account, which by the way, how would anybody even know it was that was my question because you have accounts receivable, you have lines of credit, you have investors. I mean, it's just, it, and it was just like published and I'm just like, how does this shit I'm just in awe of it. I yeah. mean, it's just just like my, but I, but I, here's the answer. It gets people talking, gets people clicking. That's the game, and it was getting read like crazy. So you know, you feed the beast, and I get it. I get. It. I don't like it, but I get it. Mm-hmm. And I, but it, but that's why I was in the situation that I was in. If I went into more detail, like the entire story, which goes way back before that all happening in August of 2013. You got to go back years actually to even get to how it all happened. Um, I'd be the bad guy. I'd be the bad guy because then I'd be airing some things that people be like, I can't believe you told that story publicly. So, and I realize this is cryptic as fuck and my God, I don't even know if like the cat and Doug even know about, you know, some of this stuff. That's how in the room it is and will remain. But I'm in a no-win spot there. Yeah, it's you're choosing, you're picking your spot. In either way, it's option A is awful, and option B is less awful. Yeah, you know, but they're both fucking awful. Yeah, pick your poison. So I don't. Thing. So I don't blame people for being like Tim. What the hell? 
and then I had to apologize. It's one of the apology things. Now, if I owned 100% of Inside STL and I didn't have business partners, there is a chance. I'm not saying that I would have because, you know, I don't know. And I, I'm, I, you know, I'm younger then and things are different then than they are now and so on and so forth. There is a chance I handle it differently. But I had partners and I have a responsibility to my partners. And that's, that's, that's how I, I thought through the process. And also, of course, attorneys and counsel and there's you know, I don't own the radio station, all of those things. So I don't think that what Dan, you have represented here is because it's eight years old. And I just don't think that many people are even thinking about it. Now people think about it because I'm talking about it. But um, I, I, but you're bringing up something that I'm sure at the time turned a lot of people off. And I, and I don't blame them for that. But I'm telling you why. That's the thing. If somebody has behaved a certain way, for a large period of time, and that person has acted in a way that you think is, I don't know what the right word would be, um, responsible, you know, I don't know what the right, you know, a number of people you know or like vouch for that person, and then something doesn't add up, and then that person's not really saying anything, give the person the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Because I was, I was there. But I also don't blame people who knew nothing about me or the people with whom I've worked um, and what they, you know, would say uh, who were uh, just, you know, driving by and reading the story because the story got national attention. And they're going, well, fuck this guy. And I don't blame him. Yeah. I, I, don't, I can't blame him. I, and I was on the receiving end of the, the hate mail, hate DMs. What was the other form of hate? It was, I mean, it was, it was obviously the newspaper. Uh, but I, but I, but again, I can't, you can't fault people for not knowing yeah. information that you can't provide them, mm-hmm. which I feel like I'll try to diagram that sense. But I, but like they didn't know and it wasn't their fault because I wasn't providing the information. I'm still not providing the information now, but there was a huge reason as to why we weren't. We knew we were in good standing. We knew the truth. We knew the truth was on our side. And so there's no reason to take on risk when, when the process plays out, everything will be fine. Again, not good. Don't get me wrong. Not good, but not horrible either. And so that's what we had to do. And so I had to just eat shit. And that yeah. was the way it is. And that's, that comes with the territory, man. I signed up for it. Certainly didn't think I was signing up for that. But <laughs> yeah. that happened. And that's, that's, that's the way that it, it played out. And maybe someday, and, and by the time I even talk about it, I mean, even now, I'm sure people are going, what the hell are you even talking about? Um, that uh, people would, un, you know, be be like oh my god i can't you know this and this and this i still have audio from you know again there's just there's a lot to it there's a lot of a lot to that that goes well beyond that um and then the second thing about my contract uh being made public uh for me it wasn't a big deal but i could see why some would be envious and jealous well i mean i can't do anything about that it should have never been made public it was supposed to be redacted i had no idea i was horrified the day before that article which was in June of 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, my attorney called me and said, hey, I want to let you know that Randy, Randy Markell, who, like I said earlier in the podcast, owns the radio station, um, has named the new LLC McKernan Radio. And 
I was in Las Vegas. I was just taking a vacation, knew that this deal wasn't going to start for a couple of months, and I was playing a poker tournament, just in a great, in, in, up until that phone call, in a great mental place. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that we had signed this deal and it was going to be great for everybody who was at 920 because we were going to take this and move it to 590 and the business model was profitable at 920 and I was paying the gentleman who owned 920 a shitload of money to rent his airtime and now we weren't going to have to pay that so the profit would be even greater because we were going to execute the same strategy we executed at 920 without having to rent the time. So it was just a, it was a great fucking time and I was happy for, you know, obviously the people involved uh, because, you know, they were going to get taken care of, but it wasn't public yet because it wasn't done. And so when my attorney called me and said he was going to name it McKernan Radio, Randy was, as a gesture to me, as a kind gesture to me. And that was that was like a gift, so to speak. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, I appreciate it so much because I know it comes from like a just a good place mm-hmm. with what Randy was doing. Um. But that's not what I want, because I'm un- I'm really uncomfortable with that. Because mm-hmm. it's not that's not that's not it's not McKernan Industries or McKernan Radio or whatever it was going to be called and wound up being called, because it's not me. It's it's a bunch of people. We're not we're not in this spot in 2016 without you know people would say Doug Vaughn and Jim Hayes and certainly that would be the case but also a bunch of people behind the scenes who nobody knows unless they're in sales because that's really where it comes from in addition to obviously TMA and and all the people at 920 so to all of a sudden now be like well I'm the one you know now we're in the end zone and now I'm going to celebrate and not yeah. celebrate with my team that's not me now I know that's not what Randy was doing Randy was doing it to be kind yeah so in, on the, in that conversation, my attorney, that's, that's, so I spent an hour with my attorney on the phone about that. And I'm like, what can we do? I'm like, I don't want, I'm just getting into business with this, this gentleman and I don't want to start it off on a bad foot by like rejecting his gift. But I really don't want the business to be called McKernan Radio Group, I think is what it called, the McKernan Radio or something like that. And he goes, well, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the official business name. Unless you see the tax returns, it, you can, you have you set up a DBA doing business as and and nobody ever you know knows the real company name so it'll never be public so don't don't think anything of it we'll set up a dba and call it you know whatever kfns or something i'm like okay cool so i was that tight about the mckernan radio group thing Mm -hmm. that was on tuesday then I'm playing in a different poker tournament. That one was, I think, over at the win. Now I'm playing in, the, in a Venetian event. And playing well, I remember. But why, I don't know. But I just know I had a bunch of chips. And, you know, during a hand, you kill time. And I look down at my phone, and I have, I don't even know how many texts, going, holy shit, congratulations, oh my God, from South City to, the, you know, this like... Yeah. And I'm like, what in the fuck is this? And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, how in the world is it? For, and on top of it, it, a lot of it was not true. It, it was saying that I had bought into KFNS. I didn't buy into KFNS. Part of the deal, which was later corrected uh, in the Post-Dispatch, in the article that this gentleman's making reference to, that Dan is making reference to, uh, is that I received... Uh, 25% ownership of the business as part of the deal. That's how Randy, you know, gets the compensation package he gave me. 
And since that was put in the newspaper, you know, but it wasn't redacted. So in the agreement that went to the FCC, I don't know who, because uh, I don't know who the attorney was, but you're supposed to redact the personal services contract because the FCC document for a transfer of ownership is a, pri- a public, excuse me, public document. And so you can see what stations are bought and sold for, and you can see anything else in there. You can go do it right now if you wanted to go to probably FCC.gov. And so there's my personal services contract, and so that part was accurate. And that was just horrifying. It's horrifying. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, and, I'm, and five years later, almost five years later, I'm still paying for it. it because I do think this is a, a factor mm-hmm. for a portion of people, for a portion of people in our business, which goes back to what I was saying earlier about why wouldn't you be happy because now a rising tide lifts all boats and now somebody's making that. So isn't that good for you? But now they're for, and again, now the people who hate are the people who will never, ever make it. But, you know, that's, that's, that's the root of that. And then I guess for some in the audience, I guess, I don't know. And by the way, you know, and Dan, Dan asks a good question here. He's following up. He's saying, you know, contextually, what do you consider to be wealthy? Well, that's certainly different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about St. Gabriel's. Now, the, the reason I joke about St. Gabriel's, which is absolutely a nice area, without question. I think yeah. even people who are like, take your pick, or I just was going to say Ledoux Jackson, <laughs> you happen to be yeah. uh, Horton Watkins, would say, yes, it's a nice area. Now, they may have plenty of money and would never buy a home in that area, but I think they would be able to acknowledge. But I remember, and I know I've told the story about when we were playing St. Genevieve Dubois in grade school basketball. And I think one of the parents from St. Gabriel's overheard one of the parents at St. Genevieve say, oh, who's, we're playing St. Gabriel's next? Who is that? Where is that? And they go, oh, it's a poor little parish in the city. So that's, <laughs> that's where it comes from. Yeah. You know, and, and when, when there was the quote in the paper about I run in moneyed circles, God, that's, that's just, I mean, <laughs> which is just like, you know, I mean, now again, I guess you can say it depends on where you're coming from. Now, when I, what do I think of when I think of moneyed circles? I think of like they're sitting in the men's card room yeah. at St. Louis Country Club divvying up, you know, their distributions from their, their little f- yeah. fund. That's what I think of when I think of moneyed circles. But yes, if this gentleman puts in I-55 and Bates, which I don't really know where that is. No clue. Um, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all case by case. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it like I remember Rick Majerus was on with us one time, and he's and we're like, oh, you live at the Chase, and he's like, yeah, and, and he goes, well, you live, you live Larusa, your neighbor. He goes, oh my God, no, I can't, I can't live in the area he lives in in the Chase. And we're like, well, you're making like, you know, he's certainly making seven figures. Mm-hmm. So even if you're making seven figures, it's not like, oh, we're all millionaires and therefore we're all on the same level. Yeah. Well, there's the guy who has five million in the bank and then there's the guy who has 500 million in the bank and obviously there's a huge difference between the two yep so it is that I, the way you put it is contextual now i don't really know how it's relevant to the topic per se because but what i would say is this what i make you know i guess for this industry and st louis by the way that's an important part of it mm-hmm. um would be on the higher end I would acknowledge that. I don't know why the fuck I have to even address it because <laughs> yeah. I'm. I, I can think of right now. I don't know if if, if it would be necessarily television anymore, but radio. Um, a couple of people who, without question, make more than me, without question. And I'm not talking about like you know. I'm, I'm talking about a big difference. I'm talking about probably 
75% more than me. Um, like, like in, in, without not a doubt in my mind, at least, at least within recent times did, and I would imagine is still the case. Um, and they just did it, by the way, just on their own merits and talent, and then they were at places where, you know, they were the advertisers, you know, got return on investment, which is the name of the game, and that's, that's how it works. Uh, in our case, in my case specifically, what Rand, the deal Randy was doing with me was he wanted to take what we were doing at 920 and then just implement it at the station he had just bought, which is 590. And I was being paid not just for my ability as a broadcaster, but to manage the business in addition to do the show and bring all the advertising that I had worked to, to generate. So that's the deal. You know, that's that's the important context on it. So there were times in 2013 and 2014 when my wife and I, and she worked with me, we couldn't make payroll if we would have paid ourselves what we were supposed to get paid. Now, we, we obviously could have tapped into our line of credit, but I'm the guarantor on the line of credit. Yeah. So you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. So you're not going to do that. That's how, that, you know, that's a perfect way to... So, you know, we paid ourselves what we needed to in order to live, but that's the chance we took. I signed the guarantee with 920, and if the thing went belly up, it was my ass. So that's the way it works in starting your own business. Mm -hmm. And for most part, it's celebrated when somebody starts their own business and they have success. So I still don't necessarily think that that is at the core. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. Because I, again, what I, what I make, yes, don't get me wrong. It's, it, I understand. But it's not like it's like I'm making seven figures a year here from radio. I have other things that I do, which is how I make, you know, also a portion of my money. That's the other thing, you know, um, that, that it isn't just radio. But, but what was put in the newspaper and put in that document was specific to radio, you know, not take your pick of whatever other ventures I would be involved in. And, and that got the hatred. And so, like I said, I think we're still paying for it to an extent now but i really don't think the audience is i don't th i don't th i don't think I, I get so what i'm going back to is i think there is a i think there is something out there that is just not true but but again how would somebody who believes it know it's not true yeah exactly <laughs> it's a catch-22 so so i mean here's here's what i say on anything now i guess you can't do it in 2021 at this particular moment anyway but i am so certain of my actions from the moment I started inside STL with Matt Seebeck in 2005 to present day that I would meet somebody anywhere, sell tickets and go through it and say, you want to present something, present it, back it up and we'll go and we'll talk about it. And if you want to, if you really want to, then let's do it. Then let's do it. Cause I know the way I've acted and I've acted yeah. honorably. And so if that now, by the way, I might be wrong. There, there, may, there may not be this this big thing that I think exists amongst a portion of the audience. And it might just be as simple as, well, I do hate you because of the Albert Pujols thing eight years ago. I don't think that's what's going on, but maybe it is. Or I do hate you. I'm not going to say it because I think you make a lot of money. I don't, I just don't think that that, I don't think that that's what it is. I don't know. I don't think that's what it is. But Jackson... There, at least we got a couple of people playing in our reindeer games today. Yes, I, and it, I think that they are both. What I like is they've really thought about what it, 
the elements of it. And I, th- I really appreciate that because a well thought out question that puts in a lot of effort is super important to this podcast. And I just, I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate, uh, people sending us emails to answer because they value much more so yours than my opinion on these topics. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very grateful as well. Uh, I, 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 know, I know it's tough to like say, hey, I know you hate me or I know you, I know you believe this. But it, so maybe go, oh, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe I was told that this happened and maybe it's not true and they think they got it from what they would consider to be a primary source. Uh-huh. But I'm the only one, when it gets down to it, who's actually, 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 actually in the trenches. Yep. And I'd include you in that. I'd include the cat in that. I'd include anybody who's worked on the dug on that. It doesn't matter because I actually, because that, that's the nature of my situation, even though I'm not managing the business or owning the business, as in the radio station. Because that's where I think it comes from, is some misnomer about the show. That's what I think. Definitely. So you agree with me on this? Yeah, it's definitely a misconception um, well, that, this is interesting. I didn't know you even knew where I was coming from on this. No, it's I'm, definitely a misconception that either your role on the show or... Yeah, which could just be what we talked about a couple months ago, or not even a couple months ago, a month and a half ago with the Capitol thing, and then yeah. how I explained that it's not my, you know, I don't make the calls on who's on the show and all that. Yeah. I did. When we were at 920, I did, but not at 590. Yeah, so there's definitely a misconception about your role on the show and your role within the radio station. Um, and I also, I, I think people think that like, you like, it's all up to you when it comes to all these things, when it's not the case currently. Yeah. And I guess I, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, and maybe that then lends itself to it. Or, or like, maybe it, or like when the Plowhawk was, uh, I don't even know what the situation was. It happened in March of 2019 and I don't even know what it was publicly called, but when he wasn't going to be on the show anymore <laughs> yeah. for the purpose of sticking to whatever was said, uh, it was, I was just like, okay, what if I, what if I gave back, you know, whatever of what I'm making? No, not, not enough. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, I can't do more. <laughs> no, that's, that. and that's the thing. And then I hired Pete. I, well, I didn't hire Pete was already working for us, but when the Pete thing happened, I just started paying him out of Inside STL, which is like paying him out of my own pocket. Yeah. You know, it's, Inside STL doesn't really generate any revenue outside of t- t-shirts at this particular <laughs> moment. Now, it did when we owned 920 and when we had our programming on 590 years ago from 2010 through 2000, uh, I guess it was 13. But inside STL's revenue is like nothing now. I mean, truly. So when we when I I have my I'm talking about the insurance policy I talked about, it's whatever it is. No need to get into the numbers. But I'm just like, okay, there's barely any money in the account now. But it also doesn't have any expenses outside of these occasional annual expenses. And I just transfer the money from my personal account to inside STL, and I just pay it just to keep the thing going for the sake of keeping it going for if and when the time comes that we do essentially come back like Jordan wearing the four or five. So that's, you know, that's, that's what's going on. And I think it, uh, I think it lends itself potentially to it. Cause that, that's, I do think that that's what's going on. And listen, if I invested in, um, a program and I'm like, well, I heard, you know, like for example, I love Stern show. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard Howard did this to, you know, Fred and fuck Howard for not doing, you know, sticking up for Fred, something like that. Then it make me look different at a Howard, even if. It, but then you know Howard might not be in a position to talk about it. I'm trying to draw an analogy here to help people. And by the way, 
I might be completely off the mark, but I think that that is the case. No, I think you're 100% spot on because... Now this is it. I mean, now this is because I thought I might just be fighting my own demons on this. No. So I'm surprised that you're with me on this. So I, I've said before, I'm a fan of The Ringer. So when uh, a writer or podcaster leaves The Ringer, for whatever reason, you go look at the comments, it's all, well, what did Simmons do this time? What did Bill Simmons do now? What is he... Did he do this to this employee? But in all reality they probably just got offered more money to do something somewhere else. Right. So instantly when you have these public people, like you're public about your ownership of Inside SDL, Bill Simmons is public about his ownership of uh, the Ringer and subsequently the Spotify deal they had. So anytime these people who are portnoy with Barstool, anytime that there's any shakeup of things that happen at these companies, it's like, okay, what did the person in charge do? And, most likely you don't have all the pieces to the puzzle of what happened or B it could be a really simple explanation that has nothing to do with the person in charge. Well, there you go. What you're saying there, I did not thought about it from that perspective. And then the thing is, and then, cause it's like, okay, yeah, well, you know, if I ever did get in a spot again, like where I was at nine twenty, I'd just be like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to be a hundred percent transparent as opposed to just go, well, we wish him the best, even though the guy's sitting there motherfucking me. <laughs> and go, you know what? Fuck here. I'm going to talk about it. You know, the, the show brought in like $200 in advertising revenue. That's why they're not here. Sorry. Yeah. I know it's embarrassing, but fuck do better. Yeah. Have a bigger audience, sell more advertising. I don't know. It's not my problem. <laughs> you know, Mike Schilt doesn't have to go out and go, Hey, the reason we sent so-and-so down is, you know, yeah. he, the stats speak for themselves, but the stats in radio aren't public. You know, now, if you're at a station where there are ratings, then you can point to the ratings. But sometimes the, there's a person causing shit behind the scenes. We really haven't run into that, fortunately, uh, for the most part in our time. Uh, but it always gets down to dollars, just like any other business. But if somebody has a fan and then they go on social media and they beg for likes, you know, and whether they're complaining about whatever. And, of course, then it's like, oh, well, then the, the, the owner or the manager has to be the bad guy. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the way that it is. Now, sometimes it can be that way. It's not an absolute. So, I don't know. You, you're probably right. You're probably right in that sense. I just don't, But here's the thing. I don't know what specifically it is. No, <laughs> that's, so, I'm like fighting a ghost because yeah. I can't fucking see it. I don't, and nobody will say, hey, just send it in from your burner, man. You send it from your burner. Seriously. I don't need to know who it is. It's like, I, like part of me is like, we ask for these emails and we obviously get a shitload, uh -huh. but maybe people are like, well, Tim's going to see my real email address. <laughs> Create a, some, I don't even know what the yeah. burner email accounts are now. AOL. You AOL. Straight, All right. Thank you. Go straight you. to AOL. <laughs> All right. Go AOL. Create the burner and let me know what's doing. Yeah. And I'm not going to violate your, you know, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't give a shit. It's fine. If anything, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm asking for it. Yeah. I'm asking for it. I want to be able to explain it. And even if I can't go into all of the details, and my guess is I can't, uh, because my guess is it's something I have nothing to do with. Yeah. So therefore, I got to kind of do that dance. Uh, I certainly will, pro I would think, will provide greater context. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it, if it has to do with who's on the show and who's not on the show, I assure you that if a time were to come that we could bring the band back together and I can play any role in doing that, if that time were to come, I would do it. And I buy the band back together. I'm talking about the Plowhawk and I'm talking about the Cat. And Gangster Pete and Jackson and Producer Joe 
all who haven't worked for the show in either months or years are still active on the podcast, which <laughs> should tell you a lot. Yeah. Um, non-gay Texan here and there. I mean, you know, so I don't know. So, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe that statement would help clear it. I don't I don't know. Jackson, maybe we're both wrong. Fuck, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I've got a vibe on it and it's tilting because again, I mean, It'd be one thing if I'm like, yeah, fuck, I did that, and yeah, that's why these guys hate me, and that's why I'd be like, because there, I mean, there was a time where I was flat out offered what I would consider to be, you know, a substantial raise, but it was going to be at the expense of people, you know, losing money, and I'm just like, well, I'm not, that's a no, I'm not taking yeah. it. It's not even like a sweat. Mm-hmm. Now, if I would have done that, even though I think a lot of people, you know would go well i kind of get it even though it's kind of a shitty thing to do i would get it but i didn't do it and i didn't even like it wasn't even like a second where i considered it yeah it wasn't so i don't know so i'm trying to figure the whole thing out i don't know if people think this should be like a you know like well tim makes this so therefore he should spread the wealth yeah i, I don't know if that's what it is you know but here i am and i mean shit it's not tough to do there's checking accounts and checks yeah. <laughs> here take a look at them all i'll redact the the, the amount but yeah. here take a look at these what do you think these were for fuck yeah i think i think maybe the same reason why we can't put our finger on exactly why these people hate you they can't put their finger on why they hate you they just know that they, they hate, hate you me. and so then anything that would prove that wrong which kind of went back to what somebody else said they don't the yeah, people are, they don't really want an reason. answer so they're not going to email you about it Bingo. Just, you know yeah. and so it's like when somebody posted hey is tim tim doing this it's like well, hey you know you've yeah. dm'd me before why didn't you just dm me yeah exactly <laughs> because you didn't really want an answer you wanted to just get it going you just Stir wanted to go okay i'm kind of bored let me start it up yep you know so anyway there it is. I couldn't be more blunt with it. I appreciate the two emails I got. I'm still on a mission. Uh, so God bless America. Hey, uh, before we uh, wrap things up uh, today, uh, Munganest has an incredible deal going on. It's stlouisaccura.com and altontoyota.com for our listeners. It's stlouisaccura.com for the month of February. You can get a 2021 RDX SUV all-wheel drive with zero down, 374 a month. Uh, that's a 36-month lease. You get 12,000 miles per year. Does not include tax title license. At altontoyota.com, 2021 RAV4 SUV all-wheel drive. Zero down. 329 a month. 36-month lease. Uh, 12,000 miles per year. Does not include tax title and license. And or the 0% for 60 months with the proved credit. The zero is an extra special deal uh, in Iggy's name. There you go. That's Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson. Munganass, stlouisaccura.com, altontoyota.com. They also have a great pre-owned selection. You can shop online for all that. Never leave the house. They'll deliver the car to you. Munganass, stlouisaccura.com, altontoyota.com. All right, that's going to wrap it up. I've enjoyed the discussion. Thank you for all the emails. You can email in whatever you want. Email them from your burner. It's fine. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.